Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I'm so excited to have my guest today who's going to be talking all about grad school, getting ready for grad school, being prepared in grad school, all the above. Sam Walker, welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your journey into SLP and what you're doing now. Sure. So I guess starting at the beginning, I always knew I wanted to be some sort of educator. My mom was like, don't be a teacher. They don't really get paid much. They're not really appreciated. But my brother was born with cleft lip and cleft palate. So she's like, why don't you try speech therapy? And undergrad, I took my first speech class. I fell in love. I applied to graduate school right out of undergrad. I applied to about nine or 10 schools and I got into one. But one is all you need. It's all you need. And then, exactly. It's all you need. And then I went through grad school and I graduated in 2019, right before the pandemic. Very thankful for that. I don't know how these grad students are doing it now during the pandemic. We can go into that later, though. But I graduated in 2019. And then I completed my clinical fellowship in a high school in New York City. And during my CF, that's when the pandemic hit. So a couple months into my CF, my supervisor was pretty strict. And because Asha didn't specifically say that clinical fellows can work teletherapy, she didn't let me work for a couple of months. So I found myself straight out of grad school in a clinical fellowship that I wasn't getting paid for, kind of lost. So I turned to my creative side. I knew that I was always kind of creative, but I didn't know how creative I was. I knew I always like caught myself making activities for clients in grad school. And then I was like, oh, I'll get an iPad. I'll start doodling. And that doodling turned into speech stickers, which now is 
a whole big SLP store where I have speech stickers, apparel, and all that fun stuff. And I just reached one of the biggest things that I ever could do with this shop is I attended the ASHA convention as an exhibitor. So that's really big. But this was something that I never thought would be on my radar. But it was kind of one of those things that the situation I was in forced me to turn to my creative side. And here I am. That's awesome. And what's the name of your shop? Speaking of Samantics. I love it. S-A-M-A-N-T-I-C-S. <laughs> it's funny because at ASHA, people are like, you spelled semantics wrong. And I was like, wait, my name is Sam. And they're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> it needs to be like in the fine print, like underneath it. Like my name, I know. my name is Sam. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't spell it wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. So tell a little bit more about your grad experience since you are much more of a fresh grad than I am. What advice do you have for someone who is right now applying to graduate schools or considering going to graduate school or whatnot? Yeah, so I do have a lot of advice. Being someone who's newly graduated, I feel like it can relate to grad students a lot because it's very easy to submerse yourself in grad school, right? Grad school only matters. I got into grad school, so I can only think about grad school. I can only do homework. I can only do schoolwork. And that's really not the case. When I was in grad school, I lived on campus. I was two hours away from my family. So grad school is really all I had. And because I was so far away from family and because I was living on campus, every single thing I did was about grad school. I had free time. I studied. I had free time. I made activities for my clients. I reached out for more clients. I was just drowning myself in grad school because that's pretty much all I had. When it doesn't have to be like that, that's not real life. You deserve to spend time with your friends. You deserve to spend time with your family. You deserve to do things that don't have to do with grad school. Because once you graduate grad school, you're not only a speech pathologist, you're going to be a person too. You're going to be a person with a family, with a significant other. And it's going to be such a shock when you get out of grad school and realize how much free time you have. Grad school is going to take up as much time as you give it. Professors will always give you more work. There will always be more clients that need student clinicians, but grad school should only take up the amount of time that you should give it. And by that, give yourself a day or two during the week where you're not doing anything grad school related because you deserve it. You know, professors will say you have to submerse yourself in grad school, but that cliche saying of you can't pour for an empty cup is very true. I mean, you can only help other people as much as you can unless you start with yourself. So really work on yourself. I know mental health is not really talked about a lot during grad school because everyone's kind of just like drowning in work and studying and all of that. But it's really, really, really important to focus on in grad school. I love that. What advice do you have for someone who's saying, well, I would love to make a day for myself, but I don't have time. You have to make the time. I recently did a grad school course called Surviving Grad School. And I got that comment a lot. I don't have time. I have an assignment. And my response to that is that nothing is ever an emergency. You can make time for yourself and have a schedule. You know, it may seem cliche or it may just be like, yeah, I have a schedule. But what I mean by having a schedule is basically saying like from I'm going to wake up at 9 a.m. and I'm going to go get Starbucks because I know that makes me happy. And at 8 p.m. after I've studied for an hour and a half, I'm going to watch Grey's Anatomy until I fall asleep. That's making a schedule. That's making time for yourself. You made the time to study. You made the time to go to class. All those things are on your schedule, but there needs to be things on your schedule that make you happy or things that 
force you to focus on yourself because just as much as you listen to the schedule that's given to you by your college or grad school or university, you need to start listening to yourself, forcing yourself to focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone who gets stuck in that perfectionism? Oh, that's a big thing. And I find that that's a big characteristic for SLPs. Do not compare yourself. Perfectionism, I feel like stems a lot from comparing yourself to others. When I was in grad school, I listened to a lot of the people around me when they said I studied for 15 hours or I got 100 on the last 15 tests. But anyone who's saying that can either not be telling the truth, can be just saying it, you know, to make themselves feel better. You have to focus on you. Perfectionism is something that you have to, you know, dig down deep inside and really ask yourself, what is perfect for me? You're never going to be perfect in SLP grad school. Chasing that perfectionism is going to be a constant battle that you're fighting within yourself because you can learn every single thing in graduate school, be a perfect student, and then tomorrow there'll be a new study that denies everything that you just learned. So it's a constant learning cycle in the SLP world. You'll never reach that perfectionism. Now is the time to start working on just trying your hardest and being the best that you can. Speech pathology is a field that has a lot of specialties. I mean, you and I, we are in the high school. If you asked me to do dysphagia therapy right now, I would look you square in the face and be like, hold on, I need to open up my textbook. I would would need to do more than that. Like, yeah, dust it off first and then. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So speech pathology is a big specialty. Grad school, you're kind of forced to learn everything all at once. You can't expect yourself to be good at everything. Research methods in grad school was hell for me. I got a C in it. I'm almost positive I got a C or I was close to it because it's just not something I'm good at. I can't look at research at validity, reliability, all those things. It's just words that just never made sense to me. So, you know, that perfectionism is you're never going to be happy with yourself if you're chasing perfectionism, because there's just so many things to know about speech pathology. You kind of have to pick and choose what you want to put your effort into because you're not going to be good at everything. What would you say to someone who's unsure of what they want to specialize in? That's a really good question because I feel like grad students ask that a lot. In grad school, I feel like that's your chance to experiment. I know some grad schools are different. Sometimes grad students pick the externships for students. Sometimes you get to choose. My advice is put yourself in different types of settings. If you walk into grad school saying, I'm going to work with adults, do not put me in a room with a child. Challenge yourself to have a whole externship at a preschool because you never know. You never know, one, if you're going to all of a sudden love it, or you never know, two, if 10 or 15 years down the line when you have your own family, if preschool is the easiest thing for you to do at that point, you would have already had some experience in grad school that you can always say to the person you're interviewing with, like, hey, I do have experience, or you know what it's going to be like. You know what you're going to be walking into. So I always say, do a school setting, a medical setting, and then something in between that if possible, but definitely try doing with adults and children because you never know. I was someone who walked into grad school that was like, I'm definitely going to work with swallowing. I'm going to work with trachs and vents on the ICU floor. I had an externship at a high school and two or three years later, about a month ago, I'm back at that high school I had my externship at. (laughs) So you don't, yeah, you have no idea where your life is going to take you. Feel the fear and go for it. 
Be uncomfortable with things that you're not comfortable with because now is the time to do it. Grad school is your time to say, I'm the student. I'm not supposed to know everything, so I'm just going to try. And to piggyback off of that, my advice would be to not be afraid to ask questions. When in grad school, that's the time like you're expected to ask questions. Yes, certain things you have to figure out on your own. But at the same time, it's okay to not know everything and take advantage of people around you willing to teach you. Exactly. Your professors are literally paid to teach you. If what they're teaching you isn't make sense, it's their job to teach it in a different way or provide you with the resources to help you understand it more. No matter how welcoming or not they are, at the end of the day, it's their job. By the time this episode is airing, a lot of our grad students will be preparing for the praxis. What advice can you give to them that are basically not sleeping because they're already dreading it? Yeah. So the praxis, actually, it's funny because the day we're airing this in an hour, I'm actually holding another one of my praxis review classes. And the praxis is a test that tests you on how well you can take a test. It's a mouthful, but it really is a test on how well you can read the question and read the responses and pick the one that doesn't have like a definite answer. They try to trick you with always and definite and never. But my advice is pick a date three months from whenever you want to start studying and go for it. Give yourself an hour a day, an hour every other day and practice what you're not good at. So I have the advanced review book, what I did when I was in grad school. And I looked at the questions at the end of each chapter. I did all the questions. And if I got more than one or two wrong, I would go back and read the chapter because it doesn't make sense to read things over and over that you already know. You're kind of just wasting your time at that point. You want to be reading over things that you're unsure of or things that don't click as well when you're answering a question. So the praxis is a test that you're just going to have to take. You're going to have to get through it to get your license. But I also want to mention that a lot more people fail the praxis than is spoken about. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you failed the praxis, please know that it's okay. The praxis is given as just like a a bank of questions and you may have just been given a really bad or really hard kind of load of questions. So Try your best. There's a lot of study reviews out there to help you pass the praxis. But if you failed, please don't get yourself down. It has no predictability on what kind of speech pathologist you're going to be. No, no. And when you go for a job interview, they don't even ask how many times you take it. They don't care. So in in the end, it's like, did you pass? Do you have your license? Yes or no? That's all they care about. And that goes off of like GPA too. A lot of grad students are like, well, what if the employer asks me my GPA? I'm like, no employer has ever asked me my GPA. So that's why I always tell people, like, if there's one or two classes in grad school that you're not the best at, just pass. It's all you have to do. You know, I still laugh now because I'm like, I suck at research methods and I'm okay with that. (laughs) You know, I'm not. You're not doing research while you're working in a high school. Like, that's really okay. You're not going for your you're not going for your Ph.D. Like, it's it's fine. And it's okay. What advice would you give to someone who's stressing about looking for a job in a CF? I've spoken to grad students before that are very confused and don't realize that a CF is is a job, that there really is not like a placement that they're looking for. They're really looking for a job. So what advice would you give to someone? Yeah, actually, it's funny that you say that because when I started grad school, I had no idea what a clinical fellowship was. Like the first week they said, oh, when you do your CF. And I'm like, oh, what? I thought I'm a fully licensed SLP when I graduate now, but you will get a job. 
whether it's your dream job or just a job, you will get a job. So it's okay if when you come out of grad school and you're looking for a clinical fellowship and you're not finding what you want to do, there's different options you can take. You can either wait. I've had a lot of people tell me that they waited to find their dream clinical fellowship, or you can do what I did. And what I did was I basically just worked in whatever kind of school that was close to me that I knew I'd get any experience in. I completed my clinical fellowship and I walked away and I started a new job right after that. Clinical fellowships do not have to be permanent. They do not have to be the job that you start the day after grad school and you're there for 20 years. Clinical fellowships can be just the nine months that you're getting your hours for your C's and you walk away. It's okay to change jobs. It's okay to not be in your dream job until five years later. Sometimes that's better because you have more experience behind you. You're not a fresh SLP grad school in this crazy acute care setting, you know, going home crying every day because you have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I truly think that whatever's meant to be will be. And I know that's corny to say, but if you asked me when I started my clinical fellowship, if I was sad, kind of because everyone was getting their dream job back and forth. And I'm just like, oh, well, I'm just working at some random school, but you know, it led me to where I am today. That, that's awesome. I left my CF also. I was in a preschool. Preschool is not exactly. for me. TMI, but the day I went on my interview with a middle school and high school that I got the job, I actually got peed on by a oh kid that day. And had to run home, like shower a hundred times. Let's just talk about like, motiva never. motivation to get that to get job. <laughs> landed, landed yeah. that job, guys. Landed that job. <laughs> I might be TMI, but you learned something new today that I got peed on the day I went on an interview. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not TMI. It's real life. Right? Exactly. I'm sure people can tell crazy stories about preschools. Mm -hmm. It's my own fault for sitting on the floor with a kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was not fully potty trained. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who is just because they're just so stressed that they're questioning whether or not they made the right decision about the field? Yeah, that happens a lot. And it definitely happened to me when I was in grad school. You know, the stress gets to you. You're learning so many different things at once. It's hard to kind of like calm your brain down and realize how much valid information you're getting. And I think that motivation starts lacking because you lose sight of the value. And I think that once you realize why you started this and once you start reminding yourself why you started this, that's when the motivation will start coming back. I always think back to my first client that I had I can picture his face right now as a little toddler boy. When he said that S sound, it was like fireworks in his face. And I will always remember that because that is the reason why I started SLP grad school. No matter how stressful it is, no matter how many tests I took that I failed or that I didn't do well on, that is the image that stays in my brain. So if you're listening to this and you feel stuck, you feel unmotivated, or you really feel like maybe speech pathology isn't you. Just take a second to think about why you started this. You know, in five years from now, if your dream job is working in acute care or working in a preschool, put yourself there in your head, right? You're going to be around families that you're really helping. You're going to be around clients that, you know, you think that you helping them with an S is like so minute and, you know, you go on with your day. But that child can walk around school more confidently after you've helped them. Or that patient can now all of a sudden enjoy dinner time with their family because you've helped them with the compensatory strategies. That is what you have to remember when you are unmotivated. 
that is what you will get to. That is the end of the tunnel. And it's a lot closer than you think it is. You know, in grad school, you think about tomorrow or in an hour or in a couple of days. But before you know it, you'll be walking across that stage. I mean, I think back to grad school and I always used to tell my mom, this is like dragging on. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I've been in grad school forever. And now I look back and I'm like, holy moly, that was two years ago already. So really, really think about 14 years for me. So, you know, a lot has yeah. changed. <laughs> Does it feel like a long time ago? Yeah. I mean, the iPhone wasn't even out then. Like there was no TPT. There was no Pinterest. Like, <laughs> how did you do it? How did you survive? It's all we knew. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's so true that in the moment, it seems like the hardest thing you're going through. But eventually you're going to look back and laugh and say, I did it. I can't handle anything. That's exactly. You're going to look back and realize how much stronger you are after grad school. I mean, sometimes people tell me to do things and I'm like, yeah, I can do whatever you want because I survived grad school. (laughs) I say a lot to students, I'm like, people around you who aren't in SLP grad school or who aren't in grad school in general won't understand what you mean when you say you're stressed. You'll be wasting your time trying to explain to them how stressed you are because they will never understand what stress in SLP grad school is. So you just got to get through it. Listen, the time will pass by whether or not you're in SLP grad schools. Two years will fly by like that. So you might as well make the best of it. Take all the experiences that you can volunteer for things in grad school because this is your opportunity to get experience and realize what you like, what you don't like, what you want to research more and all of that. Because then after that, you become an old fart like me and you have like bills and responsibilities and that's not fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a I mean, not, I shouldn't say harder, but it's not as easy kind of bouncing around from different settings once you've graduated, because then it's like signing different contracts or different jobs in grad school. You know, your supervisor may say, hey, I have a voice client evaluation later. Do you want to join something to like that? And it'll give you that experience that you'll always have in your pocket. So true. And I would also say when you leave grad school, you can always still reach out to some of these professors. If you're in a field and you have a question and, and it's something they taught you, they would love to hear from you. Don't think that once you cross that stage that like ties are broken. Yeah, that goes for professors and supervisors because the job I'm at currently is because my old supervisor reached out to me and said, hey, do you want a job? Keep yes, those. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yes. Keep those connections because you never know when you'll need a letter of recommendation or when a job is opening. A couple of my grad friends have gone back to my grad school to become clinical educators because they've kept in contact with professors. So you never know what opportunities will fall into place down the line. I love it. What advice would you give to someone who's wondering when to start looking for jobs or CFs? It all depends on you. And also depends on where you live and when you're graduating. But yes. Yeah, exactly. It depends a lot on you and how you want to go about it. I personally took four months off after graduation and I just did a whole bunch of nothing and everything. I went on vacation. I woke up late. I had no homework to do, but I'm very lucky to be able to do that. I was still living with my parents. You know, I was with my grandparents a lot. I had the family support to do that. Some people don't. So it's totally up to you. If you want to get a job straight out of graduation, I would suggest looking in like March or April, because that's usually when private practices or schools start to look out for the graduates that are coming out of grad school. But me personally, I didn't start looking until August and I was fine because I knew that my clinical fellowship was just going to be a job that I got my C's at and I moved on. 
But another thing too is that don't feel intimidated when classmates of yours or people around you are saying, I got a job and I got a job and I got a job before you guys even graduate because that's the path that they want to take. I had people in grad school who the day after graduation, they were starting their clinical fellowship, you know, and it's easy to get intimidated by that stuff because I'm like, well, I'm graduating and I don't have a job yet. But people take different paths. People have, you know, different life responsibilities that they need to do. So do what's best for you. This is probably one of the very few opportunities you will get to kind of just not work and not have responsibilities. So if you can take it, I would definitely advise it because it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. But do what's best for you and don't listen to the people around you. I love it. Thank you so, so much. And this is awesome. Where can everyone learn more about you and what you have to offer? Sure. So I have an Instagram. It's under Speaking of Semantics. I also have an Etsy shop, which is also under Speaking of Semantics. I recently just opened up my own website, which is speakingofsemantics.com. On my website, I have links at the top of my page for my Praxis Preparation course, which is basically I do weekly study sessions for 45 minutes at 8.30 on Tuesdays. We do a Kahoot all together. They're all the ETS Praxis questions with some tips and tricks on how to remember the information and how to take tests well. And then I also have a surviving graduate school kind of crash course that's all online. You go at your own pace. That's also linked there. And I have one-on-one coaching for grad students on there as well. Everything's linked on my website and or my Instagram. And if you're interested in some SLP merch or some waterproof stickers, I have over 100 designs. So cool. And they're all available at speakingofsemantics.com. Awesome. Thank you, Samantha, so much. As always, I end with a joke because we need some humor in our lives. How do you know when there is a snowman in your bed? Oh, no. Is it something about it being wet? You wake up wet. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) So maybe that one you might. It's kind of funny. (laughs) I chuckle. All right, everyone. Until next week, do your thing, have a blast, and stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.